Welcome to Bucket Stop Blog, where I ask everyone the same question and record the conversation. The question is, let's talk about your perfect day, however you interpret the word perfect. Write down everything you want to do, then take a step back and split your perfect 24 hours into four buckets or priorities. Don't think about money, reality, or logic. Make it as perfect as you want. Don't think of it as your last 24 hours either. Think of it as the same 24 hours you'd live again and again to experience a full life of happiness and fulfillment. Hey everyone, welcome to The Buckets Project, where I go around and ask people to design their perfect day and split all of their activities in that perfect day into four buckets, and we talk about it. So, today's episode of conversation is with a great friend of mine, Grace, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake wrote in his book that he visualizes sound. Every sound effect he hears and uses in his music has a particular shape to it. This is a great example of how powerful perspective is. What some people hear is what others see. Differing perspectives then lead to varying levels of talent and creativity. Grace, Grace, she is a woman I've learned is light years ahead of me in terms of perspective, talent, and creativity. She can see music more clearly than she can actually read it. Not only music, but she can see the beauty in others more than what she can actually see. That's also what we call faith. Faith is believing in something much greater than ourselves without seeing it. Her faith in God parallels her sight in music. Her love for community is evident in her network of friends. And I'm lucky to be a part of it. So, I hope you enjoy this conversation and learn from Grace as much as I have. Thanks again for listening, and have a nice day. Um, my first one, I put as more of like an exploration. Um, exploration or like just trying new things. The way I did my buckets, but I guess before I go into the whole like exploration thing, um, the way I did my buckets is I just thought a lot about some of the most happiest times or happiest events, things that were really significant um, throughout my whole life, and I kind of combined them all into one. Really thought about which four um, categories I really liked and really thought it was meaningful. And so one of the biggest things that I I love doing um, ever since I was a kid, my parents, we would go as a family like on trips every year. So that really, that really made me have like a travel bug, like a wanderlust type of thing. So exploration is something really huge to me. Um, this past summer, I got to go to Alaska, just being out in nature with literally no cell service, <laughs> barely anywhere. Um, so having like no phone, no service to distract me from anything, and it was just like being out in the mountains, also in the water, and seeing this wildlife um, was just like very relaxing. You don't really get a lot of that when you live out in the city like I do, Um, so I I really like that aspect of it, and I don't get to do it that much. Um, I've tried doing like Texas hikes over here. Which meaning, like, because Texas is flat, so there's really not really any hikes. So if I say hiking and people listen to it, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're going mountains. And like, I don't really go on mountains here. Um, but I take my dog out sometimes to some of the more hilly places around Dallas, and it's just nice being out in nature. So exploration, um, kind of that, and also just, like, learning about new cultures, I think is very cool. Um going to like different restaurants, trying new food, meeting new people with different backgrounds. Um, I think just being more worldly in the sense of nature and, and people I truly like enjoy and I love doing. My first bucket. Can I uh, start asking questions on the first one or did you want to build momentum and list them all out at once? Uh, you can start. No, you can start asking questions about the first one. Okay. Uh, so something that caught my eye as you're explaining your natural wonderlust, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you, you, you mentioned that it kind of started from childhood when you took trips with your parents. So mm-hmm. out of my own curiosity, do you think that the 
love for exploration and discovery is because of the exploration and discovery or is it because of the nostalgia of what it was like to do that as a child you know or do that as a family when you were a child mm, I think it's a little bit of both um I, I don't do a lot of traveling much anymore with my family just because with work schedules and finances it's just like life happens and so I don't really get to go with my sister or my parents um, a lot of places so it's not too much it, it, it does bring back a lot of memories I think especially when I talk about it because I'm like oh I've been there with my parents or I went there when I was a kid this happened this happened um, but it's more about I think like going back as a kid it's always been ingrained in me like learn about other people know about their culture so you can be more empathetic um and be have a bigger view not so close-minded be open-minded so that you you know how to love people a lot better um and so i think it's more of the first the first one of an actual exploration of it it's it's cool it it makes you more it opens your eyes to a lot of things that if you were to stay in your little bubble, you wouldn't necessarily understand some things. So I think it's definitely shaped me as a person, shaped me as a clinician, um, as a professional in like my workplace. And so I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I love the fact that you that you mentioned that going different place going to different places allows you to love people more. You know what I mean? Like Mm-hmm. being stuck in our own bubble it's it's hard to expose ourselves to to people that um don't live the way we do and don't talk the way we do mm-hmm. but you can still have that universal language of of love and and compassion for other people i think that's I, i'm glad you touched on touch base on that yeah i think i learned a lot honestly about that in graduate school i mean not that i still want to grad school in America but I was in Florida and it is a completely different culture over there like in Texas you go down the grocery aisle and you can nod and say hi to someone and they'll say hi back you make conversation you're in Florida that's like not a thing especially in South Florida um and so at first going there I was like everybody's mean and everybody hates me because <laughs> they won't say hi they think I'm weird <laughs> um but once you once you start to get to know people and you understand like why certain cultures are the way they are, you don't you don't think so much about some of the things that aren't are like new to you and you just like don't understand. But once you really go in depth and you you know that they're like really good intention people. Mm. It's just it's just not a thing in Florida. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself or, yeah. gravitating more towards people who are who have those kind of cultures and backgrounds that are somewhat foreign to 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 us, you know, on a regular basis? Or do you think they just come naturally? Wait, can you repeat that question? Yeah, like the people that you befriend, do they typically yes. have uh, a very diverse background because of that, that wanderlust that you have, um, knowing that they have that, that culture that you long for? Or does that just do they just naturally come and they just so happen to be uh, of a different diversity or different background? I think it just naturally is that way. I mean, you you kind of gravitate towards the people that you relate to. You know, it's not like I I go out to uptown a lot. You know, where there's like a certain group of people. Does that make sense? Yeah, in a uh, way. Because yeah, the reason if, why I ask is if like you look at my friend. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. If if you, I'm sure you go. You've been to a lot of parties, weddings, gatherings, and sometimes yeah. do you ever walk into those gatherings and they are a set type of people versus other gatherings oh, where yeah. it's just all over the place uh, in terms of backgrounds okay. and ethnicities. <laughs> a lot of the weddings that I've been to have usually been like one type of people mm-hmm. um, just because I mean like with Filipino weddings for example it's it's gonna be a lot of Filipinos um, like my sister's wedding was a lot of Filipinos um, she married a Filipino guy and so that was the majority of her wedding was sprinkled in with some other um, cultures but I think one of like the coolest weddings that I've ever been to 
Uh, one of my friends is half Filipino, half Palestinian, and then she married um, a guy who's full Chinese. And so she, her whole wedding was celebrating the culture um, of the Fil- Filipino, Palestinian, Chinese, the Christian side, um, the her Muslim side, and it was just like the most amazing thing to see everything kind of pulled in together um, to celebrate like one couple in that unity. So I really appreciated that wedding. Like I'll talk about it for ages because I think it's just it was just so cool that she was able to bring so much diversity in one room, um, and we all got along. <laughs> that sounds yeah. really cool. I mean, the the closest thing yeah, that I've come it, to a cultural wedding was like, a you know one of those three day Indian weddings, um, and that's yeah hers that's, was three days too because she's half uh, Palestinian, so she had like a henna party and tea party type of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. Just to expose people to it. Yeah. And does that make you want to yeah. go to those countries or at least experience <laughs> those cultures in depth? Oh, completely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, in college, my, you know how we have to take like a music class? Um, I chose pop music in India. Do you remember that when I was in the pop No, music I didn't know that. <laughs> a music class you took yeah. was specific to Indian pop? Okay, so the teacher wasn't that great. He was he was something else. Um, but yeah, I had to watch a lot of Bollywood movies. <laughs> like that that was my assignment is to watch Bollywood movies, listen to the music, memorize like memorize how they sound, um, and like details about it. Huh. That sounds like a fun yeah, class. So I don't remember I, that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I don't remember a ton, um, but like some of the movies I thought were really cool. The dances were really awesome. Um, yeah, and just to be able to die, like be in a group of people that's like, oh, I also want to learn about a different culture than me. We learned all, we all learned about Indian music, yeah, and Bollywood music. Let's go another route. Can you do you think you can okay. satisfy that wanderlust through watching a ton of movies versus actually getting on a plane and flying somewhere? Oh, Maybe not no. I mean not just movies. Let's let's say every platform of knowledge, right? So books, videos, mm-hmm. internet, whatever. Do you think you could scratch that itch through that stuff or do you think you have to go through you know, airport security and make it to the other country? Oh, I think you have to go to the country. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyday life, like a typical day that, that could help out with that. Mm -hmm. But I think like being able to delve into the culture and like seeing people firsthand, really going into like the food, the smells, the sights, like the colors, being like really in, engrossed in that you can only do so much through a screen or through a page in the book you know um people when you're reading a book it's only one person's perspective but when you go and see a community of people and how they interact with each other it's definitely different Mm -hmm. than just reading about and imagining it in your head um seeing it in person is way better yeah way 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 better I, i agree with you uh so one more question before i move on to the next bucket in this perfect day, do okay. you visualize yourself in a particular country? Mm, no, not really. I kind of just imagine myself more so in like in a certain environment. I would like to be in the mountains oh, with a okay. lot of trees. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, which is weird. Like I've always been in, and it has to be cold. And I like the cold, which is weird because I live in Texas. I'm just cool in Florida. I don't know how to like live in snow or function in snow but i really like the cold now is that just to like go hiking in the mountains and then come back home or is it actually maybe to live in the mountains or mountainous area would i like my ideal life yeah i think maybe not like live in the mountains i think having access to the mountains would be really nice okay okay I'm I'm there with you. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first yeah. bucket. How about the second one? Okay. Um, the second one I put on uh, is really good family time. 
I have a sort of big family here in in Dallas, um, and I imagine it to be just sitting around my cousin's huge, huge, huge dining room table. And this happens quite often for our family, where we have all the all of our cousins um, around the table at her house, and we'll just go and eat boiling crab and just talk about our day, talk about life, and really go back and talk about my parents' life back in the Philippines, my aunt and uncle's life back in the Philippines. And it's just like something that I really value is like the importance of family and they, they've sacrificed so much to be able to bring uh, us here to the States. And so I, I love hearing about their lives and how adventurous it is, honestly, um, to like pick up, literally pick up their whole entire lives and move across the world and they're the, like the only ones from their families over here. And so having that bonding time is really something that I value. Uh, I remember uh, you, like you said, when you went to 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 college, not college, uh, OT school, right? When you mm-hmm. went to o- OT school that was in Florida? Yeah. Okay. So when you go to it Florida was. for school, you are away from this cousin's table. What, did, mm-hmm. Were you able to find that family time in Florida somehow, some way? Uh, like with my actual family, or do like find another family to have that sort of same feeling? Uh, find another family, not necessarily another family, but that that same vibe. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I I moved to Florida not knowing a single soul. I've never even went like been to Fort Lauderdale before I moved over there. Um, and so I found like that family through my classmates and we spent, it was a class of 50, so it was kind of big. Um, but we got really close cause you had to spend all day, every day and <laughs> with each other. And a lot of us, the majority of our class was, um, out of state and they also packed up their whole lives without not like knowing anybody in Florida. And so that really kind of pushed us to get to know each other. Um, and I found like some of my best friends through that program, even though we live so far away now from each other. Um, they are kind of that, that family whenever I was over there. And then of course I would always come back during the breaks and we'd have our actual family time (laughs) with my parents and my cousins and stuff. So you have an existing family in Dallas and then you kind of cultivate Mm -hmm. a new family in Florida. Do you do yeah. you think that in a perfect day you would ever combine the two, or three, or four, or, or how um, many family vibes you have, or are we only talking about one single table? In no, Dallas? I think for for this specific one, I would just do one specific table with my relatives. The one, yeah, the ones here in Dallas. And um, I and I asked that specifically because I, if I had a round table of my family, I would have. Mm-hmm a large portion of my friends at that table because I typically treat my closest friends the same as I would my own family, if not better, because I don't have that strong family tie like you do. And I mm-hmm. I kind of have my friends as the means to compensate for the lack of, you know, family vibe that I have. Mm-hmm. If not friends, it would definitely be like my wife's family. Yeah. So a table of 10 could turn into like a table of, you know, 20, but it still wouldn't yeah. be anything bigger than 20. So that's, that's why I was asking the question is like combining multiple family circles, even though they're not actually family. I mm-hmm. wonder if that applies to you. And it sounds like it doesn't, at least not in this case. Not, not in this case. I mean, if I were to combine any kind of like friend group in a way, it would be like the people that I grew up with in church Mm. because they were basically the family that we had here. So, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but my, my parents are the only ones from their immediate family that are here in the state. So Mm. when they came over, they had to find a community of people to, you know, help them out and just have like a friend group. Um, And so they found out, they found that through the church. Um, and so we grew up, I had a ton of older brothers and sisters that 
were like my role models. Um, and all of our parents were friends. We go on trips together. So if I were to combine anything, it would be that group. But even so, <laughs> currently they aren't they aren't necessarily at this specific table, that that church group? Uh, currently, though, no. Okay, okay. No. It, it would just be, I have, like, specific people in my family in mind, too, um, just because I'm a, I'm a lot closer with the ones. It, I mean, it's due to proximity, honestly, but I'm a lot closer to the ones here in Dallas. And, I mean, we do this so often that it's just, it's like my cousin and her family and my other cousin and her family and, um, like, my aunt and uncle, because even though they're in the Philippines right now, like, they basically raised me me and my sister so they're definitely there too um I, yeah and like again like i have specific like food in mind too <laughs> boiling grit <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, sorry all right so that's the second bucket how about the yeah. third the third is where i bring in all my friends and it wouldn't be around a table because there are too many of them maybe like a big <laughs> cabin or a big bonfire that's one of the things that i like really loved back in college is when you do camping trips um and we just be all around the bonfire talking making jokes and doing like really really dumb stuff but like ultimately just being around the fire and bonding with each other just making memories and there are a lot a lot of people that i would like bring along just because I've had so many different, like, life stages and I have different groups. Like, I had, um, like I mentioned, my church family growing up. I have my church family now. Like, some high school friends, college friends, grad school friends, coworkers, people I've met in Dallas. Uh, like, some of the Filipino friends that I have currently. So, it's this whole bunch of people, but I, I always love just the, the impact that people had on my life, and I like to have all those people there. Different people have made different, they've impacted my life in different ways, so I would like that. Maybe if I ever get married, that could happen. We'll just have a whole wedding in a convention center with everybody there. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a good opportunity. Or you could just you could just throw a party for fun and invite every circle of friends that you have. I don't know how you'd afford it, but... For fun? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, maybe for my 50th birthday. <laughs> yeah. I'll save it. I'll start saving now. And if by then, I can afford that party. You're telling me your 50th birthday would come before your wedding. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you know. I don't know. <laughs> so, I have two questions. Maybe. Yeah. Well, not necessary questions, more like comments. So I think it's really cool that you brought up the bonfire and the camping because in your first mm -hmm. bucket, I asked you where you would live in this perfect day. And you said mountainous areas, you know, being in the outdoors. Uh -huh. So it's pretty consistent. I think that's cool. I don't know if you made that connection, but um, I thought that was pretty awesome that and who knows, maybe that round table of cousins is probably in that cabin too, you know. So you have like your yeah. family in the round table inside keeping warm and then you have your giant groups of friends surrounding the bonfire outside next to the mountains. Oh my gosh, and then you're combining all three of my buckets in one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I will say my family, other than my dad, maybe my mom, they're not so much of like outdoorsy people. And so... Well, even for those bonfires? They didn't enjoy those bonfires? Um, I mean, if everybody else is doing it, like my sister and like some of my other friends here who you know, they're they're not like nature-y at all. Mm -hmm. But they will do it if everybody else does. So they're more like peer pressure. Like they love what others oh, love? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Like one time I asked if I could go camping for my birthday they're like, ew, no. It's Straight too cold. up. <laughs> my, birthday, my birthday is February, which I get, but I still wanted to go. Yeah. Um, but then a few few months later, they went, 
without me. So it was because they're boyfriends. They Wait, all so went. when you were Bad younger, when you were younger and you were traveling, uh-huh. you didn't go on hikes or anything or camping trips outside uh, outside the uh, plane rides. No. Mm, okay. Which is weird. Like I don't really know. Actually, it's probably because of like the camps that I used to go to when I was a like a teenager, like church camps. Um, it was all pretty much like outside, naturey, the lake and trees and stuff. And I absolutely loved it. But like going out with my family, we never really went like hiking. So, so well, I mean, my dad. I asked where it came from because somebody asked me like, when did you get so adventurous and like all this naturey stuff? And my dad was like that when he was younger. Um, but as a family, we kind of. When we went traveling, it was, like, to visit people, and then we would go to, like, sightseeing, that kind of stuff, um, but never really, like, nature things. Does that um, fondness, is that a word, fondness of adventure yeah. or nature and discovery and stuff, does that also apply to, like, adventures? Like, I don't know, zip lining and rafting and fishing and all the other outdoors things to do? Or do oh, you, yeah. you kind of just stop at, at hiking? Oh, no. I, I went rafting when we were in Colorado. So oh, cool. fun. What else did I? Oh, zip lining. Zip lining is really cool. I mean, I did that here in Texas. So it's not like as cool as doing it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I love zip lining. I'm, I'm absolutely not good at any of these things. Like, if you tell me to go hiking, I felt so bad when I was in Alaska because I'm super out of shape. <laughs> um, and like, Climbing up a mountain was not easy at all. Uh, but still, like, doing it was so fun. And just being just being in nature and looking out there was really cool. Just seeing what yeah. God can do. Uh, back to the uh, circles of friends. Oh, yeah. My question is, Do you is there a certain circle that has made mm-hmm. the biggest impact? on grace's life that's a hard question to be honest because i feel like huh (laughs) nothing my computer just freaked out go ahead oh sorry um um it's a it's a hard question to answer because i feel like i can't really compare the impact each, each group's impact with each other because they're they targeted different points in my life in different times in my life. And so I can't say that one group means more to me because we had more fun as compared to this group that has changed like my perspective on things. Um, I think they brought, each group has definitely brought out certain aspects of myself. And I, I don't think one has like the biggest impact. I have people that I'm closest to um, which are the people that I've, you know, obviously grown up with because they've seen me through like all the life stages, but I wouldn't necessarily think that they had the the biggest out of everybody. I find that very fascinating. So I, when I asked the question, I had this assumption that you were going to say, you know, the, the church friends because you grew up with them and they, they watched you develop into who you are. Right. And it was mm-hmm. very interesting to see, or at least hear you navigate through the potential of, other impacts from different groups so even though you had this church group that watched you grow they also watched you change and and go through different evolutions from other circles I think that's super fascinating so to me like yeah to me I think whenever I try to identify who has caused me to grow the most there are certain like key words that pop out and and maybe those were the most significant times so for instance like Mm -hmm. Uh, the development of my spiritual life. Okay, I can think of a group who was specific to that. Or when I think of uh, a very painful time in my life, I can think of a group that was very supportive of me during that time. And so, like, mm-hmm. you're you're right. There are different phases in life where they were significant and there were people during those significant times. And it's, it is kind of hard to trump which one's not better but more... Uh, impactful than the others mm-hmm. because if you didn't have one out of or if you had 10 different groups and one of them wasn't in there 
then you could easily become a totally different person, you know, if that group didn't mm-hmm. exist. So I'm I'm glad you yeah. answered the way you did. Is is my long way of saying that? No, that's good explanation of it. Do you think Do you think that the group of friends that you have uh, would blend well with each other? Like if, like you said, when you turn fifty and you have a giant birthday party, that they would all just get along and kumbaya, or do you think there would be just so many different personalities that they just wouldn't click? I mean, that's something that I've definitely thought about and, like, sometimes get kind of weary of. But every time it happens, it's, like, totally fine. And I think it's because, um, honestly, like, I'm, I'm, I would like to think that I'm kind of the same person with everybody that, like, if they, if they know me and they know my perspective and they can get along with me, they can get along with all of my friends. Everybody is that I that I like to include in my life are pretty like open minded and very cultural. Um, they they love people and they love loving on people, um, and so I think that they would all get along. I would like to have them all in one room instead of at different stations, if that makes sense. Yeah, have them all in this one big group hug. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Maybe because... not hug. I'm not a big hugger. <laughs> But you understand what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because when I asked uh, some people at work this very similar question, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you have work friends and then you have uh, high school friends and you have college friends and all that stuff. And I asked them, do, would you would you guys blend your friends together? And they said, absolutely not. Like, I choose to keep them separate. And it made me wonder, like, why? Is it because you're different yeah. in front of this group versus the other? The The answer wasn't that obvious and it was kind of interesting because not only is there slight inconsistencies on how they talk to let's say a work group versus how they talk to their high school friends but it was Mm -hmm. also like differences in you know there are let's say high school friends that are great but they have certain personality traits that I know would conflict with my work friends especially you know let's say when there's alcohol involved and I thought man that's Mm -hmm. That's interesting um, because I do have a group of friends. I call them dry friends. Like they don't drink. And I have mm-hmm. friends from college that if we get together and have a good time, there's probably drinks. So what I, yeah, what I still have them in a room together. And I, I personally would say yes. What about you? Do you think you would still have that same notion to keep them in the same room if you know there was four kegs? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the people that I know that like don't that don't drink like they're they're still they're not like judgmental or they're not gonna be like oh you drink they'll just stay away from it like it's it's not a big deal to be around it yeah um and so I would still keep them in the same room do I think that all of my friends are gonna get along probably not but I mean if it's I mean it's if it's for me I think that it would be different and I think. Like personality wise, maybe not like all the time they would get along, but for for a day or for a time, they can be cordial and they will they'll be fine. Like everybody that I know that I love, they're nice. They're nice people. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and I and I thought about like, so you know how like you hang out with a group of friends, let's say from college, and you know that if you're yeah. around them they have the mm-hmm. tendency to influence you to drink more or talk louder. And then you turn around and then now you're with your church group and maybe they mm-hmm. don't don't drink so much. So now you're in this loud mode or, you know, super hype mode. And and now you have to mm-hmm. turn back around and get hype again. So it's like it's like you are the same person. You have the same personality. It's just some groups tend to bring out more of yourself than others, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, do you kind of, I yeah. don't know, do you, no, is it just me? Do you, do you visualize yourself doing that too or have a tendency to do that? Oh, no, completely. I'm like, <coughs> I, I definitely am a lot louder <laughs> with my college friends. <laughs> They're like dumber. Yeah. Not, not dumber, but like we do stupid things. Like, mm-hmm. like pretend, trying to change our laughs. Like when I was at y'all's house this past weekend, <laughs> pretending yeah. to change our laughs. And we were just like cracking up over like the dumbest stuff. Yeah. Um, so they bring out like the silly side. And me, whereas like my church friends, we can do like 
dumb, funny stuff too. And I'm kind of also like super silly with them. Um, but they bring out, definitely bring out more of like my serious side, which I don't bring out so often. And really like go delve deep into, you know, like my relationship with God, the everyday life as like a practicing Christian. And so, yeah, they, different groups definitely bring out different people. But I think at the end of the day, um, they all bring out the best in me. And so they be okay. With yeah, each other. I agree with that. Uh, I completely agree with that. Okay. Fourth bucket. What do you think? What was my fourth bucket? Oh, definitely um, doing something creative. Um, so I, I've always loved doing like arts and crafts and um, like coloring. Coloring. <laughs> that sounds so juvenile. But like I, I, I love doing like some artsy stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm mainly a musician, so I, I play piano. I've played piano since I was four. Currently play at church, and um, so being able to get back into that and really play my instruments, create something that I'm proud of. That's something that I I would like to end my day on is to be kind of like on my own creating something, whether it be a piece of art or actually it's probably going to be music. Let's be real. Um, But yeah, creativity, creations. I don't know what to call this bucket, but yes, that. Um, So (laughs) I immediately thought of a story uh, with one of our mutual friends, Grant. He Mm -hmm. said that... He said, he said that he really had an urge to, like, learn how to um, watercolor. And so he, like, because he, he, he wanted to, like, scratch that visual side of his brain. So he went out and bought some Crayola watercolors, and he just went at it. And it was, like, for weeks straight, and he had, like, a, a sketchbook of all the things that he tried to color. And at first he thought he was just, you know, being a kid again and, and just kind of feeling like a child. But... But really, like, it, it, it kind of um, unleashed a side of his brain or a side of his personality that he doesn't normally do. And so he, he really wanted to explore that side of him more often. And watercolors was his thing. So when he said colors and, and, mm-hmm. and coloring books, I thought, man, that's so funny because Grant pretty much said the same thing. Whereas you, you I mean, obviously you have that side that uh, is very prominent. You know, you don't really have to go search for it. Whereas someone like... Mm-hmm. myself too is I, I i have to go dig deep for that visual side or that creative side and and obviously mm-hmm. grant does too so i just found that interesting yeah. and then the the other kind of point that i wanted to bring across was i know um that you that you, you do songs that are already let's say they're already created right they're not your original songs mm-hmm. so when you play for church yeah. like you said you're playing songs and then you might have your own creative version of it does that sound right yes okay to an extent when it it comes to church songs it's to an extent i can add a few i am a little bit limited on that end but i mean like if you're talking about like back in college when i would do covers it was mostly other people's songs because i am really critical of a lot of things about myself and the the ability to write songs is not my thing. So <laughs> I don't really do that. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was getting at. So I'm bringing in another conversation I had with uh, another mutual friend of ours, Chris. And we, we, we drew a very uh, fine line between being a creator and being a, what was the word we used? Let's call it interpreter. A copycat. Not a copycat. Oh, interpreter. But... <laughs> But using using someone else's descriptions to create an idea, but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. an idea you pull out of thin air. And so when you play your mm-hmm. music, you're not pulling anything out of thin air, so to speak, right? Something already exists and mm-hmm. you kind of modify it. But then you just said that you, you're you very critical of yourself and you don't purposely write songs. So I guess mm-hmm. I guess why? Why do you choose to be a interpreter versus a, a, a creator? Is it harder um, to do? There, sorry, you broke up a little bit. What? Is it harder to do? To me, it is. I mean, there are some people that I know that songwriting just comes so easily to them. Production comes so easily to them. Um, for me, it's. I think it's because of my... Like, I'm not very good with emotions. And I think to be a songwriter, you have to be really in tune with a lot of the things that you're feeling. 
And for me, I'm not like that. Um, so it's harder for me to write lyrics down um, or to write like a new song um, or like a piano part. I've tried. I've honestly like tried, but I get really uncomfortable <laughs> doing that. Um, but then when I have like a piece in front of me and I can look at it and like interpret it to, to my own, it feels a lot more natural. And I don't know if that's because like I grew up as a classical pianist and I grew up just reading notes um, and trying to figure out how to make it my own um, or if it's because I just have a lot of trouble with my emotions. <laughs> well, so you, you mentioned like whenever you create music, it's hard to like write lyrics or write a song, right? Do you mm -hmm. have that same struggle when you're just writing measures and like actual notes versus words? It's different when I'm writing or like just playing piano. If I don't have to think about lyrics, writing writing just a piano part is a lot easier. If I am just like jamming out on the piano, just doing like diddles here and there, um, that kind of comes a lot, kind of, it's a lot more natural to me. But you're still expressing emotions, then, right? Emotions? Sorry, I didn't hear that first part. You're still expressing emotions through just piano, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. I think it's the way that I express my emotions, to be honest, to see the piano, because I'm not good at doing that through words. So I go and I express it through the piano. So if I'm feeling really moody that day, then I'll go pick out more of a song that um, is like in a minor key, or I'll go to more like a romantic era type of thing. If I kind of need like a confidence booster, <laughs> I'll go back to like my sonatas that I was like really good at back in the day and I'll like do those jobs and like even with worship I'm not very good like talking about it in a way but like I I can play a song and it that's when I feel most in tune with God is when I'm playing worship music interesting so when's the last time you just hit record and just played played piano and just let let all your emotions kind of flow when was the last time I hit record oh gosh it's it's been years, honestly. Years? It's been years yeah, since you pressed record. I, I honestly think it's been years. Yeah. Wow. Since I've actually sat down and recorded something, because I'll I mean the past few I obviously like I play for church, so I'm like playing all the time, but I don't necessarily like record myself. It's more of practicing. Mm -hmm. It's not really. It's not really just like sitting down with the intention of creating. It's I have um, a role to play, and I have like I have to be there, and I'm I'm the pianist for this weekend, so I have to practice. Do you think that like you just became a better communicator with your emotions, and you don't necessarily need that outlet through your piano like you used to? No. Okay. I it's... I don't think that at all. Right, interesting. I think my lack of playing piano is due to time constraints, energy, work. Um, a lot of my creativity, I feel like, gets channeled within my work. And so by the time I get home, it's like all of that energy has gone away and I'm just tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I want to sit down and watch The Bachelor <laughs> or something that doesn't require me to really express anything or think about things because I'm just really like fatigued. So... Yeah, that that in time, which is sad because that's something like I I absolutely loved doing back in the day is just playing <coughs> um, playing like all of my instruments. I have, I don't even remember the last time I picked up my guitar, to be honest. I I wonder like you come home from work and you're super tired, and then mm -hmm. and then you pick up your guitar and you start playing. Does that kind of re-energize mm -hmm. you? Or does that even have the potential to re-energize you? And I ask this because I use it myself. So I come home from work, and I'm like dead tired. I'm about to fall asleep. And then something just kind of pushes me into the garage, and I'll go hop on a treadmill or load up the weights. And then 30 mm -hmm. minutes later, like, I'm re-energized. Because that's just what I, I really love yeah. to do that. And I, I wonder if you kind of feel the same way, or it's just not enough to, to, to um, reinvigorate you. I think it definitely has the potential to. I think right now I'm at a at a point where I 
I'm like extremely critical of my skills now because I know that I used to be really good. Not, I don't want to toot my own own, but I, I, I was, Tooted. I had skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, like I could play and I could play for hours and hours and hours. Um, but like sometimes right now on the piano, I'll pull out my old pieces and then I was like a freshman in high school or even like in middle school. And it's harder for me to do that because I don't have that technique anymore. Then I get frustrated and I'm like, whatever. Um, so it, it's kind of like the a me thing like in my, in my head I need to get over. But do I, do I want to be able to do that again and get that same feeling? Of course. Um, I think there's just some, some things within myself that I need to work out for it to do so. Cause there's, there's all, like, I see it all the time. It's in my living room. I spend so much time in my living room and it's like staring right at me, asking for me to play, play my instrument. Um, and then I just don't, which is really sad. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it is kind of disappointing because you, like you said, you are, you are a believer, you know, uh, a religious person. And so, the way I see it is, you know, God has slipped something in your pocket, right? And you go, but you go mm-hmm. about your day, and you know it's in your pocket, but you choose not to take it out. And then eventually, eventually, the, it's just going to slip out of your pocket. That's what I'm worried about because that's it, not, not necessarily talent itself, but the creativity. Like, I, I myself mm-hmm. struggle with creativity, and so when I meet people who have it, I'm like actually legitimately jealous of that person because you you can see things and hear things that the rest of us can't so like a superhero Mm -hmm. like you have the powers of a superhero but life gets in the way and you choose not to use those superpowers and then the rest of us are just stuck here being jealous or envious of that superpower we can't have our hands on so don't let it go to waste me directly saying that to you is like don't let it go to waste because there's people like me who are like, if I had what you had, or if I could hear things the way you hear things, that could just completely change the way I walk throughout the day. And mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to walk around like the way I do. You don't want to live a boring, bland life seeing, you know... <laughs> black and white you want to you want to be that person who can see the every bit of the rainbow wherever you look you know like that's the power that you have in comparison anyways that's my spiel oh my gosh you're gonna make me cry (laughs) because i i I have a coworker. oh my goodness she she's an engineer right she's really really good at Mm -hmm. what she does and then i told her about this whole buckets project and i said um you know I'm, i'm i'm gonna quit my job and I don't know what it is that I want to do, so I'm just going to keep looking for it. And she was like, yeah, I mean, mm. I'm having the same problem. Like, I don't want to do engineering either, but I have this, like, side thing that I've been thinking about. And I'm like, what's the side thing? She's like, I, 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 I write. It's like a thing now at weddings where you, like, have, a like, leather jackets and you hand paint um, your your name and a design that kind of surrounds the name on the back of the jacket. And I was like, show me. Mm-hmm. And she showed me and it was like this beautiful, just hand drawn or hand painted picture of flowers that's wrapped around her name. It was her own, it was her own jacket. Right. And I thought, mm-hmm. why, why are you not utilizing this vision that you have? Because I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have this vision. I don't have this creativity. And she asked me straight up, are you creative? And I said, no. She just said that because she is paid to be an engineer, right? She lives this lifestyle as an engineer. She doesn't have time to think about this creative outlet that she has, even though she loves it so much. And the whole time mm-hmm. I'm like, you, you, you are rich right now just because you can see things the way you do. And I'm using that as an example yeah. because I'm calling you rich like you may not have all the money in the world but you have a a certain vision that the rest of the world doesn't and for you not to utilize Mm -hmm. it it's almost not fair and i people can say the same thing about me now that i think about it now that i'm talking out loud it's like i have a uh, Mm -hmm. let's say a natural talent of dancing but i don't do it anymore Mm -hmm. i was about to bring that up (laughs) yeah but i don't do it anymore but here's the difference right the difference is the difference is i know i'm good at it but it's not something i love 
Like, yeah. I have the opportunities to go and dance, and I, I, I can't think of a single excuse that would say, hey, you know, I really want to dance, but I can't. All I can think about is, you know, I purposely choose not to go dance because I just don't love it. Whereas you, you identified mm-hmm. this skill set that you have, and you, you, you literally said that you love to do it, and it makes you happy. And you went the other mm-hmm. way and said, here's all the things that keeps me from doing it. You see the difference between us two? Mind so, blown. <laughs> so either way, it's unfair for the both of us to just throw the skill away or the vision away, the superpower away. Mm-hmm. Um, that that doesn't mean it's you know too late to to not utilize that that superpower. So figure it out, make yeah. it make it happen. <laughs> I'll try to. I mean, I, I'm going to be unemployed after next week <laughs> for two weeks. So. That's my opportunity to make this perfect day happen. Well, yeah. And that, that's the point. Like, live the perfect day and then see what part of it you really want to sustain. Because by, just by doing that much is more than half the world is doing anyway. So make use of it. Uh, all right. That was an hour and seven minutes. Um, what I Oh, t- wow. Right? So <laughs> that was longer than the last one. Yeah. Uh, so, again, like... Last time, what I did was do a recap of the buckets and then ask for feedback. Sound good? Yeah. This time, you explained the exact same four buckets as last time, and it was the exploration. Mm -hmm. And this one was kind of, I think this time around was more interesting because you referenced um, the places, not the places, the kind of journeys that you took as a child and how you brought those journeys along with you when you went into these new endeavors and these new places to discover. And I found that very interesting mm-hmm. uh, when I asked you, you know, what country you would be in. And it wasn't necessarily a country. It was more so the environment um, that you put yourself into. And that just so happened to be the same environment that was as um, your friend's bucket. And then I kind of just threw in the family bucket inside of that one as well. So we just kind of grouped mm-hmm. everything together as one big cabin where the family sits inside or in a big round table with your cousins and your parents and sisters and immediate family. And then outside, directly outside, is the bonfire that's going and you have all your friends with many circles of life that you've obtained throughout these years and they are just having a good time. And, um, you know, sometimes you're lit and sometimes you're not, but you're <laughs> the way you are... Um, amongst those different circles are still different versions of yourself. You don't feel like you're being a different person at all between the between the people, and I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's the exploration and discovery. That's the friends. That's the family. And then we took a big dive into creativity, and you, you, you recognize that you are more of a um, quote-unquote interpreter, more so than a creative. But, but then mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, if you take words out of it, are you still a creative? And you said, yes, you know, I can, I can do a flow of music through the piano without words much easier than I can by dictating, you know, verbs and nouns. I think that's amazing. And I, I hope it's a skill set that you don't throw away. Um, I think it's a golden nugget that God put in your pocket. And it would be very uh, disappointing for you to just let that slip out of your pocket. That's the four buckets. How did I do? Yeah. Good. Let's just add that creativity bucket to the bonfire and everybody's playing the guitar. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Ta-da! There's probably a cello out there, too. (laughs) A cello around the bonfire. No, I can't take a cello out. (laughs) It would probably light on fire. (laughs) What? It would probably light on fire. I was laughing. Oh, Oh, my God. No. Not a cello. You can't do that to that beautiful piece <laughs> of wood. <laughs> a very expensive piece of wood. Okay. Uh, how did I do? I that, This was a good one, yeah. I think. Yeah. I feel like last time was a little bit more upbeat. I mean, for me. But I think this one like really dove deep into it. So, I like so I'll tell you my objective going in, knowing that we just had a conversation yeah. like two days ago. My objective for going uh-huh. into this one, even though I knew you were going to say uh-huh. the same four buckets, I wanted this conversation to be completely different. Did it? Did yeah, it... I was wondering. <laughs> I was like, these are the same questions. Now I'm not prepared. 
<laughs> you tried to rehearse the questions I was going to ask you? What? Oh, man. Did it feel like a completely different question? Or, I'm sorry, a completely different conversation? Yeah. No, completely. And that was actually... Okay, so enough to that was really challenging like, for I me. That was really challenging for me. You I, said that's I, really talented? No, oh, challenging. Said that was really talented <laughs> of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I purposely tried to find questions that I, that I, I think I didn't ask last time. And um, I think it, I mean, it felt like it, it turned out well. Like we, there wasn't really um, a lifeline that we followed that looked like anything from, from last time. Would you agree with that? No. Okay. I would agree with that. Um, and then, you know, anything, anything like, hey, Roger, you should have done this better. You should ask me this differently. Um, we should have talked about this more. Did you get any of that kind of questioning in your mind? No, not really. I think like what I thought about last time is more of like follow up questions. I guess like, I, I feel like you did it a lot better this time, like going in and like, why didn't you do this? Or like, really encouraging me to do like more of the creative stuff or like to have those or actually like do the buckets but yeah what what did I have I have to think again I wrote it down somewhere and then I forgot to text you about it it was more of like follow-up questions like do you think this day would actually happen what kind of things would need to be in place for it to happen kind of thing I guess more for like the the interviewee and like what they got out of it well, what did you get out of it? I think it was more like the whole process of me trying to figure out the bucket um, was really delving into my priorities and thinking about like how I manage my day-to-day life. I do a lot of things that necessarily bring me a lot of joy. Well, I mean, I love sleeping, but I sleep a little bit too much. Or like watching TV. I do a lot of watching TV and not like really prioritizing my family or my friends, exploring. And then it like, some of like the runner-ups for the buckets too. Like, oh, do I really want to put a worship bucket in there or a, like a work bucket? And I was like, oh yeah, definitely not a work bucket. (laughs) So we didn't, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one. We didn't talk about that, but now you got me curious. So like you go to school for it and then you go to more school for it. (laughs) And then you get out, you jump into a job. The first, I think it was the first one that was a bit of a struggle, just getting adapted to that kind of lifestyle and those particular clients and that that Mm -hmm. process and and all those systems in place. And then you Mm -hmm. go to another, um, was it hospital, right? Uh, It's a clinic. Clinic, another clinic. And Mm -hmm. do you get a different vibe? Did it, did it win you over more than the, than the first one? Um, To an extent. I think with my first my first job, it was mostly the same type of diagnoses. And so that, I mean, being my first job and being one of the only practitioners there, that was different. I mean, like, I go to school, I, I absolutely love my job. I don't think I could do anything else for a living just because it, it kind of blends the creative side of me plus all, like, the, I really love, like, the medicine Ooh, sorry. Um, and I like, I love the medicine portion of it. That's why I originally went into it. And, you know, if you ask me when I, like five years ago when I was in school, I would definitely put like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to put an OT in the budget because I love um, this job. And I still do, but there's just like some things that you don't realize that goes into it when you're actually a practitioner. I'm the type of person, like whenever I go, I'm not like so good at taking care of myself, but I'm better at taking care of other people and so I put like all of my effort into making sure that these kids and their families are doing doing what they need to do and making sure that they're okay and it takes a lot and I didn't realize how much it took out of me with this specific population Um, and even now because I still have some kiddos with those same diagnoses it's a lot like to be able to have these kids for two to three times a week um, and you have to be doing something different every day. There's new issues that come up and you have to problem solve 
all the time and like all when I come home sometimes I have to keep working because I didn't finish my documentation that day um and so it's it there's a lot more than just the treating I love the treating aspect of it um, but there's a lot more emotional things that goes on and a lot of time that you need to put into it and so um I think that's the cause of a lot of the the reason why I don't put as much effort into some of the creative stuff and family stuff, friends, um, just because a lot of my effort has been going into work. And so perfect day. Would like to do something for myself <laughs> and not have to worry about work. At the end of the day, even though I love it, I would not trade it for anything. Absolutely love my job um, and what I do. I don't, I, it, it's just a job. You know, it's it's what pays the bills, um, and I'm not going to be doing it forever. That's something that I realized um, at the end of grad school when I went through that thing. It's like, oh, my whole my whole life has been dedicated to this career. What happens if it goes away? Like, who am I? The, who am I without this career? And what am I going to do? So that's when I really started to think about some of the stuff and that's when I started going back to church and like trying to be more intentional about friends and then it it goes in waves so like right now I'm like still super into work um but hopefully with this new job with the new setting different clients um it'll help a little bit better that's what I'm hoping with my work-life balance so um, let me make sure that I understand everything that you just said. Um, yeah, I kind of just rambled. Sorry. Well, and and I, I'm going to have a follow-up question, and I'll kind of end the night on that. So, okay. okay. The reason why work is not in your perfect day is because, in summary, it's just mentally and emotionally exhausting. All the All the effort that yeah. you have to put into and the emotional toll it has um, from dealing with these children with certain diagnoses, you come home and mm -hmm. you're just done. Is that is that mm -hmm. basically a, a very simplistic summary of, of how you feel about your job? Oh, yeah. Completely accurate. Okay. So Way here, better said than me. Well, here's, here's where the follow-up question comes. So I'm going to use one of the previous conversations that I had and see if it kind of helps you reframe and, and lead to the next question. So okay. I have a friend who I interviewed mm -hmm. and he said that he, 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 he loves pharmacy, right? He mm -hmm. doesn't love the fact that it's a 12 hour day. So when you ask him about the perfect day, he didn't, per he purposely didn't put pharmacy in because he knows he didn't want to just give up 12 hours because that's 12 hours that could be, um, divvied out to other things like family, friends, adventures, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. when we talked about it afterwards and I said, okay, if you love pharmacy so much, but you don't like the quantity of time it takes, would you put pharmacy back into your perfect day if you could work two hours a day for pharmacy? And, or, yeah, or you work two hours and you don't get paid because money doesn't matter in this perfect day. And he mm -hmm. said, he said, yes. If I didn't have to worry about getting paid and I didn't have to worry about satisfying all the responsibilities I have in 12 hours and I can just show up for a couple hours and leave, then yes, I would love mm -hmm. to do that. So that's that's the reframing. If you took that scenario into this, mm -hmm. uh, if you could show up for two hours a day as a pediatric OT, would you do it? And would you do it for free if money was no issue? I think well mon money wouldn't be an issue i i think if there are some other things that i could change about it specific like to the setting that i'm in right now um i would like if i didn't have to do all the documentation that goes into it if i didn't have to argue with insurance about providing services to a kid um, yeah you could you I could literally pay absolutely. someone else to do that because money's no issue if i could yeah yeah if okay. it's the actual, just like the treatment part, I would absolutely do it. Okay. And not for 10 hours a day. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah. 
but yeah, if I if I were to be able to do it for like two hours, um, yeah, because I mean I I love the treatment, I love teaching, I love um, getting to know the families, but when when you do it day in and day out, and that, that's like all you can think about, it, it's hard. It really is hard. Yeah. So, and I would love to end the conversation on that note because I don't, I think that is a piece of gold that you should reference, you know, from, from now to two years from now, it'll help you Mm -hmm. remind yourself of the things about your job that you love. And of course there are things that you don't, but if you have Mm -hmm. that constant reminder, then it does make your days a little bit easier if you choose to stay in that career. Because you're not, you're you're not saying that you hate the job, right? I'm saying I hate the job. There's two, you know, we have two completely different yeah. mindsets. And if you identify the things that you really truly love about the job, and there are little things here mm-hmm. that really take away from it, then as you mm-hmm. continue to live the perfect day, or at least work towards the perfect day, you know that there are steps that you can take today or tomorrow or the next day that help you scratch away all the things that make your job a little bit unpleasant so you can gravitate more towards mm-hmm. the stuff that makes you happy. And that's all part of reframing mm-hmm. reframing your days. That's good. That's um, good. Maybe you should become a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're like the sixth person who's told me that. And I'm like, shit. You know how much schooling... <laughs> You know how much schooling you have to go back for to become a therapist? Gosh. That's a lot of school, but you're so good at it. Like, oh my gosh, I don't need to pay. (laughs) Therapist for Dr. Roger. That's what Party said, too. She was like, anytime I just don't know what to do, I just call Roger. You. you know, like the best. talking to like 30 people, I mean, it really does kind of give you what, you know, four years of college would give you, if not more. If you really took the time and spent like 45 to 50 hours of talking to people about stuff that makes them happy, you get like yeah. just this kind of cloud that just disappears and now you can finally see the sun, you know? Um, but then you you run into like job descriptions that have requirements of master's degrees and you're like shit like <laughs> i feel i feel like i have a master's degree just by talking to all these damn people but uh, <laughs> technicalities yeah the the requirement for to be like an lpc is crazy yeah absolutely crazy but i mean you'd be good at it well, i appreciate that this concludes the episode and conversation that I had with Grace. We talked about her many talents in which some get more attention than others. Her friends are many, and many are friends. In the perfect day, those friends would fill an arena for one big party. We talked about her faith in God and how her talents keep her close to Him. All for the big party that has yet to come. So, thanks for listening, and have a great day. Bye-bye.